everybody, and welcome back. I'm John, and I'm joined as always by my co-host Jake. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? Good. I'm doing great, especially since we're here today to discuss a, a wonderful film. Yes. I'm going to give away the bag early on this one. <laughs> I'm probably going to gush for a good amount of this podcast, this particular episode. Yeah, I wish I could offer you some uh, contrapositive to that, but um, I'm going to be gushing right along with you. <clears throat> and sometimes that's okay. <laughs> and the reason we're gushing is because we're here to discuss the 1984 film Amadeus. Directed by Milos Forman, starring F. Murray Abraham and Tom Hulse. And Elizabeth Bretheridge, right? Uh, Berridge, I believe. It's Berridge. Yes. So uh, this is a film about Mozart and Antonio Salieri, two contemporary musicians around the same time. And I guess their relationship together and Salieri's hatred, ultimately. Ultimately, yeah. Yeah. Understandably so. When given like how the movie opens, why, yeah. why, how he ex- paints, the, paints the picture of why he despises Mozart so much, it's very, very understandable. Right. Very human. So you just want to jump into the yeah, beginning let's, of this? Yeah, let's, let's, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Definitely. So the movie begins with uh, an old Salieri, now living on his own with servants, and he tries to commit suicide. He like, cuts his neck with his razor, right. essentially intentionally trying to get the, the jugular, I guess. Yeah. He's crying out, forgive me, Mozart. His servants are on the other side of the door, and they can't get in at first. They try to coax him out with sweets. <laughs> they have pudding and, and bread. The guy's like takes a bite of it. He's like, oh, I'm telling you, maestro, this is the most delicious thing I ever have. you got to come out. As we'll learn in the movie, Salieri likes his treats yes. and sweets. Yes. Yeah, it does have a sweet tooth. But eventually they're able to get into the room, and Salieri is taken to this uh, mental institution, basically this hospital, to recover. Yes, and that's where we're introduced to the priest who's going to give him, like, essentially his last rites, forgive him his sins. Yeah. And he's aware that, you know, Salieri is claiming to have murdered Mozart, Mm -hmm. which is a bizarre claim because I don't think they... I don't think the coroner's report, so to speak, re- reported any foul play there. Right. Um, and his wife was there at the end, so don't yeah. cut, cut too early. But basically, so he's coming to give him his last rites, and he's like, takes him on this journey, essentially. Right. Back through... Uh, everything. Everything, yeah. Yeah, I like the the scene where the priest first shows up to Salieri's quarters, and Salieri kind of tests him to see where he's on the level. He asks him, like, do you know music? The priest says, I studied as a boy. And he starts, Salieri starts playing his own songs. It's like, do you recognize this? And I'll play it on the piano. And the priest doesn't recognize it. And he does that with a couple more songs. And then Salieri's like, oh, this one song, I know you'll know this. And I love, he goes to play it on the piano and the priest rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, come on, I'm not going to know it. And he plays Mozart instead. Yes. And the priest instantly recognizes it. And can finish the tune actually too for him. Yeah. So. Already a little dig at Salieri. Yeah. And what I think is interesting is Salieri begins recounting his story. The priest says, give me your confession. I'll give you my forgiveness. And the first thing Salieri says about Mozart is, he was my idol. Because ever, ever since Salieri was a little boy and he heard about Mozart, who himself as a boy was yeah. a musical prodigy, he always wanted to be him. Yes. I think that's the confession. I'll talk about this later, but okay. he was my idol. I think that's the confession he's ultimately making here. That he couldn't ever make before. Yeah. Um, so Salieri, you know, like recounts his childhood and Mozart's childhood to a degree. And we find out that um, he really loves music. And he thinks that music's like the ultimate beauty in the world. When you hear true music, it's the voice of God. Yes. So um, it's uh, interesting to me that 
the name of the movie is Amadeus. Just starting, right? Because we have a frame, we have a frame story set right. up, right? Yeah, Which is part of Mozart's yeah. name, Wolfgang yes, Amadeus, Amadeus Mozart. Mozart. Yet it's more a story about Salieri, in my opinion, or like, or at least like, well, he frames it. He's the narrator. Yes, and he's like the trusted narrator. I guess like he hasn't given us any reason. Well, maybe he could be an unreliable Unreliable. narrator. I I mean, yes, yes, and no. I think like his admit, like you know, I killed Mozart, and like he was my idol, right? But like the like the known disdain from like the beginning of the recollection of the story. Yeah, it's like it it makes him it it makes him legitimate narrator to me because he's kind of like there's not hiding. I think that's the potential that makes him an illegitimate narrator. Because he is this old man who's bitter, just talking about somebody he hates. Okay, I think maybe he could be remembering some stuff differently. Yes, I I think he could too. Now, um, I don't know. It just kind of for me, it it, kind of gave him legitimacy because he's like, all right, so he's not really masking like. Yeah. Like, I don't believe he actually murdered the man because he's, like, screaming out, confessing that he did. Like, it's interesting. I don't know. It's just, is he a reliable narrator is a question. I, I mean, that, not talking, like, historiosity here, just, like, is mm-hmm. he, in the, within the story, since we have this frame, like, he's re- re- recounting, um, you know, is he is he reliable? Um, I'm going to yeah. say, like, ultimately, I think he mostly is in okay. the story. Okay. Well, I think some things are... I'll point out as we go along are unreliable, but okay. Salieri thinks that you know music is like the voice of God, and yes. he wants to be God's mouthpiece yes. to the world and create beautiful like, music. I'll give you my, I'll give you my. He um, dedicates his like chastity, his, yeah, his industry, industry, yeah, everything for God. Uh, yeah. It's kind of funny because when he prays to God, he's always bargaining with him. He's like, "I give you this. I give you my chastity. I give you my industry," and then you make me the most famous composer in all the world. Well, the, the priest offers him a bargain. You give me your sin, I'll give you my forgiveness. Like, that's right. A, that's a kind of exchange, too. So Yeah. I think that's just kind of the way it, religion is thought of, like mm. this quid pro quo thing. Yeah. So we flash forward years, and Salieri is now a well-known musician mm-hmm. in Vienna. He's the court composer to the emperor of Vienna, Joseph II. Yes. So he believes that uh, God has answered his prayer, at least at this point At in least time. until... So. But um, that's uh, when he first meets Mozart. <laughs> Mozart. Yeah. And you said something interesting when we watched this movie. You were very focused on when he was walking in. It's like, can you read talent on a oh, man's face? Right. Because he was think Salieri's thinking to himself as he's going to one of Mozart's performances, going to be in the room with this man for the first time, someone he's been hearing about since he was a kid, you know, this yes. musical prodigy. And... Um, He's examining everybody's face as he walks around the room, you know, and he says his talent rid like that written on somebody's face. Um, And I think this kind of smacks of like a little confusion in Salieri's mind. Like he's come up big, right? From this, like, I mean, his father was wealthy, but his father was like, I'm going to deny you doing what you really want. And like that, like his miracle was his father choking on a piece of bone from the fish and dying, which allowed his him to inherit money. And then he spent it how he wanted to. Um, So he becomes this like core composer. And I think at this point, I mean, he is a genius, obviously. There's no question like mm-hmm. that he creates beautiful music. But, I mean, everyone pales in comparison to Mozart, right? So right. that's the point. But um, he's kind of confusing like aristocracy for art or artistry. Like, you're, you know, you're, you're social, your social class doesn't necessarily... What right. circles you run in and what their opinion of is you doesn't necessarily define you as an artist. Yeah. Right? 
And I think he confuses that. So he's like, you know, let me see if I can sniff this guy out. Right. He has those preconceived notions. He built up this image in his head, basically, of like what this person would look like. Yeah. And it kind of all comes crashing down when he actually first meets Mozart. He uh, goes into a room because uh, Salieri, as we said, has a sweet tooth. And he sees some sweets in a back room that's empty. So he goes in and this... uh, Man and woman come crashing in the room after him, which he hides from and while they're uh, rolling about yes. on the floor. Yes. We like, see this uh, This guy is pretty childish in particular. Yeah. He likes talking backwards and curses. Yeah. And calls her a shit wit. Has, has a ridiculous laugh, like very, like very comical, very silly. Like, yeah. Um, d- let's just put it this way. This would not be the composer you thought would be, you know. Right. You know, Gallivant, well, just, just making waves throughout Europe. I mean, out of Germany, right? Like, But it turns out to be that composer. Yes, Because that's, does. in fact, Mozart. That is, in fact, Mozart, yes. Yeah, and Salieri can't really handle it <laughs> when he sees it. <laughs> yeah, actually, they begin playing Mozart's piece without him. Right. Which is, like, his introduction piece because he's, like, fooling around in the back room with this girl. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, they've begun without me. And they, like, yeah. rush out. You know, and he just takes over mid song, just steps in for the conductor and starts conducting it himself. And yeah, Salieri walks out and sees him conducting there, and just a look on his face is just pure astoundment. Great little moment by F. Murray Abraham, who's fantastic in this movie. Astonishment, I'd say a little bit of um, like with a with a with a dash of uh, you know, disdain, kind of like yeah, can't actually believe for the wrong reasons that this person is right the great right well as as we go along in this movie like the fact of mozart being who he is kind of this uh crash boyish immature guy it just salieri can't handle that because of the preconceived notions of of what he had for this person. Yeah. And it's also, Mozart seems to defy the laws of the universe that at least Salieri has set up for himself. Yeah. Um, as he is this, like, rich playboy who lives lavishly and, and gets around with ladies and stuff, which is, like, the opposite of who Salieri is. Everything he thought he basically had, he had to, to do, do. Yeah. to be this person. But anyway, so Mozart was in Vienna to do this performance, and the emperor hears of it. And he wants to commission Mozart to write an opera. Yes. So Mozart comes to visit the emperor with Salieri and his whole crew. There's like this whole court musical crew with like the director of the opera and the choir master, Kapellmeister Bono. Yes. Who I love that guy because he's just like the stooge of this group. <laughs> and he's also the only Italian person to actually speak with an Italian accent. True. Yeah, yeah, very true. But he's always like sweating, and he's got this like curved smile to yeah. him, and he yeah. never knows when the appropriate time to laugh is. Like everyone else <laughs> in the court will laugh, and he'll be standing there like not getting it, and something will be said, and he'll go, ah, ha, 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 and then yes. kind of look around and be like, oh crap, I'm the only one laughing. Like he's wonderful. Yeah, he's a he's good comedic relief there. Um, and I like the emperor too. Yeah, I, I like the guy who plays him at least. Ah, uh, yes, I think the actor's portrayal is great. Um, I, I like the emperor to an extent, like. You kind of, the, the first time I get that like tinge of like oh douchebag is like when um, he goes up after hearing what he had like you know commissioned Mozart to do and he's like there are too many notes and Mozart's just like yeah so uh, tell me well, which ones would you <laughs> left out like right I don't know he just he comes just off like uh, but um outside of that yeah I kind of like the character you know oh well, he seems pretty fair I'd say. yeah yeah but. 
He also likes what he likes and kind of hides that stuff that he doesn't like in between law, where he takes ballets out of his opera just because he doesn't like the dancing necessarily, so he hides it in his laws. Yeah, stuff. yeah, that's true. That's true. But that's that that's that confusion of like aristocracy for 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 artistry. Like, it, mm-hmm. is it really like is it really something that like suppresses work or like makes work more pure and more beautiful when? societal levers like economics and politics are used to kind of manipulate the work of art itself like what's allowed to be said how it's allowed to be performed and all this jazz like right i think we've come to the conclusion that's not how things should work um (laughs) yeah hence the first amendment but like um yeah it's interesting that like there's that confusion there in salieri like salieri can recognize the genius of mozart he just can't comprehend the why is it this dude like how is it this guy like and 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 i think he begins to well that's also like part of what he's bitter about well exactly he has the ability to recognize that mozart is a genius but not be that genius composer on the same level of mozart what does he say like i feel like i'm looking through the cage at like when he looks at his music like later in the movie right um but there's a funny there's a funny scene uh, in this moment where salieri writes a march of welcome for mozart because he kind of wants to, I guess, to impress him a little bit. Yeah. And, um, you know, the emperor plays it as Mozart walks, walks into the room. And um, at the end of the scene, after they commission him to write the opera, the emperor goes to give Mozart the piece of music since Salieri wrote it for him. And he goes, no, I, I know it. Yeah. Really? Just on one hearing? Yep. It's all up here, sire. It's like, well, show us. And not only does he get on the piano and plays it perfectly, but then just middle of playing it, just starts to improve the song. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that doesn't really work, does it? How did you try this? And there's something like so innocent about it, where he's he's very genuine. Like he just wants to try to make this piece of music better. Yeah, it's not like a pompous like let me show you up. Like I, yeah. anything you can do, I can do better. No, it's like wait a second. Like yeah, try this. How like, do we improve this? How do yeah. we make this the best thing, thing it could possibly, possibly be? be? Yeah, but he absolutely styles on Salieri's original <laughs> yeah. piece. It makes yeah. it look like child's play. Yeah, and there's this great moment where everybody in the room starts looking at Salieri, and for this slight second, F. Murray Abraham does this like, smirk because he can't even deny like this is so fucking good. This yeah, music right now, and then he just wipes that smirk off his yeah. face to keep up appearances. Yeah, it's a, it's a nice little moment. Oh. Yeah, no, that was that was good. Um, that was a great part. That was that was one of my favorite scenes actually. When he like, oh, how this? Um, that with the what notes would you remove? Were probably yeah. two of my favorite. Like, well, we get to that. They commission yeah, his opera. So they commission his opera. It. They abuse it, nails it. Mm-hmm. You know, kills it. Everyone's like, oh my god, this is amazing. Every, but everybody really waits for the emperor's Emperor, opinions yeah. first. And yeah. he, he liked it, but he didn't love it. Yeah. and uh, Very new, very new. Yeah, yeah. this also has, shows the boyishness with Mozart because he wants to, he really wants to please. He's like, did you like it? Did you like it? And yes, he said the emperor like, says, it's very new. It is new, it isn't, isn't it, Sire? It yeah. really is. Yeah, like, he's very like, yeah. Like, yeah, he, he really wants to please. But also, this is where we learn that Mozart is going to get married. Yes. To Costanzi, which is the woman he was uh, rolling around with on the floor Four, yeah. when Salieri first saw him. Yeah, what a queen. What, what a, queen. a queen. Yeah, she yeah. is a great character. Jake is very much in love with Costanzi. <laughs> yes, very much. I'm yeah. a big Costanzi appreciator yeah. as well. She uh, she definitely holds it down. 
Yeah, and but she's also very financially concerned. Yes, about you know Mozart, the rational she, one. <laughs> yeah, she wants. She realizes like what she married into in terms of his talents, and you got to make money off of that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she wants to support a lifestyle, but it doesn't really. She doesn't ever really make it about the lifestyle she wants to support. Like they have a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, she's like, yo, Wolfie, which is her pet name for him, Wolfie. I love that. Yeah. Wolfie, Wolfie, Wolfie you need to. Short for Wolfgang. Yeah, you need to um, just, so at one point, he, he gets commissioned. So he gets commissioned for the, for the opera, nails it, and the emperor's like, oh, you must stay in Vienna, which is like also like personally political. He's trying to get at the cardinal who he had originally worked for. Yeah. So. Obviously, he needs work, right? So he's like, so he's going to take on some pupil and he needs to submit his work to this like board of review for them to like determine whether or not he can right. work in the court as like a, you know, a, the a, board as, review yeah. happening to be the Italians in court. Italians, the yeah. court director, Capellmeister Bono, we mentioned earlier in yeah. Salieri. Yeah, and he's, he doesn't believe the Italians have talent. <laughs> yeah, essentially. Yeah, he kind of calls them out. Um, right, so uh, but he, so he doesn't want to submit his work to them, but Costanza, realizing that nah, they need some money, um, goes to Salieri yes. to submit some work uh, without Mozart knowing. Yeah, without yeah. Mozart knowing. The thing is, she she is bringing original copies. Yes, as he never makes copies. Never of makes his work, yeah. which Salieri is extremely excited about, and then. You know, that scene where he pours over his music yeah. is amazing. Like, they use this technique of, you know, people, when they can envision music in their mind's eye, it starts playing in the audio in the movie, and it's really effective. It's, like, really cool how they actually incorporate music into the film. Yes, it, yeah. And that whole thing of just, like, as someone who plays music but doesn't really read sheet music well at all, that idea of just being able to look at a page and hear it in your head is mind-blowing it's mind-blowing it's so it's so cool (laughs) and that's like the way they use it in the movie i think just shows that perfectly yes yeah especially the end the ending when they when eventually salieri is copying it down you kind of hear the starts and the stops in his head Right. When, like, then it cuts to Mozart, you hear it completely, and then it cuts back to him writing, mm-hmm. and it's the start and stop. He's like, going too fast, you're going too fast. Yeah. So they do do it effectively throughout the film. Um, I was actually on my s- just doing a peruse through a second time, and um, the cuts to, like, the audio director. Like, I can't tell you if the sheet music was actually, I mean, I'd have to say, it, like, if they if they went ham on this movie, so I'm going to assume it was right. actually the sheet music. But, like, you see him going through this book. And, like, the music's changing in his head as he's reading the different pages. Yeah. And, like, I don't know, the cuts. The cuts from the different symphonies and everything else that he had in there right. are just, like, incredibly, like... It's mixed the, Yeah, really the well. mix. Yeah, the mix is incredible, too. So, like, they didn't skimp on style or form on that, in my opinion. Like, they went ham on both. Right. And really nailed it. And really, like, the effect that they were going for is really understood. As oh, you said, definitely. that, like, you know, these people can read and hear it. And then there are others who can't. And it's just, you know, because when um, Salieri hands the emperor his work for the first time, he's like, oh, shall I try it? I'll give it a practice run. He's like, oh, yeah, definitely. Like when Mozart, you know, the entrance for Mozart, like you don't hear the music at all. No. You don't. He's reading it, but you don't hear it. Yeah. It's not the same as when Mozart reads music or when Salieri reads music. So that's, I I really do like that. That's a good point. And I think that's one of my favorite and one of my favorite aspects about the movie is the way they did that. Definitely. And while he's go pouring over this music, it cuts in between him telling the priest about it as an old yes. man. And I, I love the scenes where old Salieri talks about Mozart's music. 
because you just really see the passion and like the genuine love he has for it. And I also want to bring up that I think the the makeup on old Salieri oh, is man. fantastic. Oh man! It's like, why do we digitally de-age people or age people when we can do stuff like that with makeup? It's like I like the I, just as an aside, I like The Irishman as a movie. But uh, Robert De Niro's character, he's you know he's like close to seventy in real life yeah. or whatever. I mean, they digitally de-age him. He's supposed to be like 35, 40, and he he looks younger, but he looks like he's 60, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't know if if makeup can go both ways like that. I think makeup probably does a better job aging up than aging down. Definitely. But but, um, yes, I have to agree. I thought, honestly, when I saw it the first time, I thought that was the guy who played Dracula in in the one, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the movie. Oh, the Gary Oldman. Um, Yeah, yeah, Gary Oldman's film. Like, they they look very similar in, in... in terms of yeah, F. Murray Aver and Gary Oldman do look a little similar, but uh, especially in that movie with, with all the makeup. makeup and yeah, and like then you have him aged up here. It's like I thought that's what that's what struck me first. I, mean, I thought it was fantastic too. Yeah, uh, where were we though? We were on the section about Salieri reading Mozart's music. Yeah, so, so he, he loves it. Like, yeah, he loves it. He has this like orgasmic like reaction. Yeah, drops where he all drops the, the pages. And, like, you know, constant. What's her name? Constant. Constanzi. Constanzi, yeah, Constanzi. He was like, oh, don't you like it? He's like, it, isn't it good? He's like, it's miraculous. Like, <laughs> it's it's dope. <laughs> like, yeah, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's kind of incredulous that she yeah. would even ask. Uh, so yeah, he's like, you have no idea. But yeah. while he loves it, he's a bitter man, and he's not going to give Mozart the post. Not unless Constanzi comes back yes. later that night and sleeps with him. Yes, that is the suggestion made, yes. Yeah. And she does come back later that night. She springs the sheet music again. Yes. Um, all the time while she enters his chamber, Salieri does not say anything. She's just an, uh, like initiating this whole thing. Yeah. She starts undressing, and basically when she gets her top off, he rings the bell so that his <laughs> servant comes yeah. in and goes, show this woman out. Like, such an asshole. Yes, yeah, so basically painting it. her as like a, you know, a whore. Yeah. Um, and... Do you think he actually ever intended to sleep with her? Because I felt like you don't. Nope. I don't. I think that was like, I think he was actually on it. He gave God his chastity for the music. Mm -hmm. I think he wasn't. I don't think he was going to. I think his one indulgence was sweet. Yeah. He had an intention. No, I think it was, it was a move to kind of try and he, he wanted to undo Mozart. Like Mozart clearly loved this chick. Mm -hmm. And like he wanted to, like have this on her, or, yeah, on, yeah. Insult her honor, and kind of have this on them. Like, oh well, Mozart, don't you know your wife tried to sleep with me? And I had to throw her out. Like he doesn't say something explicitly, but he does say he was like accosted by her to the emperor at one point. Like after this, no, no, he, he, said, he he claims that Mozart molested one of his female students after this. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't think he says anything about her. Okay, I got that confused when I saw it then. But yeah, so I mean, he I don't think he had any intention of sleeping with her. He's just going to use that as leverage. Right. And that's why she like stays sick in bed essentially the next couple weeks, I want right. to say, of like the, the, what would be in the timeline of the movie. Like she doesn't leave the house because she's worried about what other pe- everyone's going to be saying about her essentially because she was afraid of solidarity or the servant. Mm-hmm. One or the other was going to say something that was going to get around high society that she had yeah. basically... Yeah. But that servant kept his mouth shut, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. I feel like he's the kind of guy who... Holds it down. Yeah, yeah. holds it down. One would hope for her sake. Um, yeah, but it also, like, I guess, 
in a way, reaffirms her love for Mozart. Because oh, she basically yeah. commits herself entirely to him at that point. Yeah, like, that was, I think that was an act of love, not a, like, yeah, it's like, I need, he, my husband needs this post. I really don't want to do this, but I will. Like, right. I don't know. He's taking was, one for the team. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess Mozart doesn't get the post. So he actually goes to Salieri himself and asks him for money. It becomes clear that Mozart is working on something. He's working. He has got a big project in the works. Yes. But he won't say what it is right now. So Salieri doesn't lend him a loan as Mozart asks him for money, but basically does put him up with the kennel master who has a daughter who wants to learn piano. Yes. We get an amusing scene where a bunch of he basically ends up playing for a bunch of dogs. Yeah. And is very insulted by it and Mozart leaves and I love the a servant comes in with like a bottle of alcohol and he just grabs it as yeah. he goes out. Uh, yeah, on his way out. And we get like a wonderful scene of him walking around day drinking, walking around Vienna. It's it's set to uh piano concerto number 15 okay. in uh, B flat major which uh is a piece of music I love. It's just like pure joy. It's a great tune for day drinking, and I love the uh, the exuberance of this film a lot of times, especially in this moment where you just see how packed the streets are with extras, and there's people doing tricks and gymnastics. There's a guy like fire breathing. Yeah. There's a little dog balancing on a ball. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So They're just like, filling the screen with as much interesting shit as possible. Yes, yeah. Very full of life, too, which is the song is, so it kind mm-hmm. of matches the... And he's enjoying himself for the first time, I think, since he's arrived in Vienna. Since the first night, like, the only joy we've actually seen him really have since arriving is, um, like, when his plays, uh, the opera first finishes, the first one that he is, like, conscripted to do. Right. And then it comes to, oh, I had too many notes. And he was like, oh, oh, bummer. And then he can't get a pupil. And now he gets his first one. And it's a kennel master. And he winds up playing for a bunch of dogs, which is insulting because I am Mo- Mozart. Like, I right. don't... So, yeah, then he, like, gets drunk, and he's, like, oh, walking around and, like, enjoying it for the first time, I think, since that first night. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to get worse for him because Dad's on the way. Well, Dad's tr- home. Yeah. He shows up. And Dad shows Papa's up. Papa's there. Yeah. He seems excited to see his dad. Oh, like, yeah, He does he bear love for his father, and his father does for him. He's just a very harsh dad. Yeah. Um it's kind of interesting, just to, as also an aside to the history of this, Leopold Mozart, Wolfgang's father, was a musician himself and, you know, recognized his son's talent as an early age and basically yeah. poured his family's entire finances into, into supporting, training, his, yeah. Yeah, and supporting his musical career. So he expected basically his son to pay him back by supporting him as an older man. So when he heard about the marriage, I guess he came back to visit. Yeah, he wasn't happy about the marriage. Um, he didn't because he didn't get his father's consent, but the emperor of Vienna said you can do it, so that's equivalent to a father's consent. Like right. he was legally allowed to, and the emperor said do it. Um, so Mo- like so Mozart's and Mozart's father wanted to bring him back to yeah the, to Salzburg to, to Salzburg. So, so Papa's home. <laughs> Papa's home. Yeah, and, uh, and uh, Mozart wants to go out and celebrate this. So they go to this lavish costume party, um, and they're basically playing this equivalency of musical chairs. Musical chairs, yeah. Where if you uh, are the one up when the music ends and not in a chair, you basically have to, as I call it, do a penalty, which is a dare. And Mozart, at one point, um, his penalty is to basically like play the piano upside down, and while people are lifting him up in all these yeah. like different ways. 
And he wants to keep getting dared, so he's like, suggests people to play for me. And so someone's like, play Mendel. And it's like, I don't like him. Yeah. But Salieri's also at this party. Yes, and they're all in masks, party. too. So, like, masks. you can't see who's who, but we know this yeah. is Mozart. People are wearing these, like, bright, a lot of people are wearing these bright masks, but Salieri's got this, like, dark opera mask that you hold up above your eyes. And he says, play Salieri. And this is probably the only real moment in the movie where Mozart insults Salieri. Because he, uh, he plays the song he was playing previously, so he's saying he's on original. He also like purposely like makes himself look ghoulish with yeah. like an underbite and a stupid look on his face while he playing fakes a it. fart. Like, yeah, while playing. Yeah, at the end, and uh, a wonderful cut back to old Sally areas. Everybody laughs, and he goes, to "The priest, go on, laugh, laugh at my mediocrity." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So after this like dance, his father. Kind of like, what the hell? Like, you're squandering your money on this BS. Like, Yeah, you're not going to change. Yeah. Your life comes back to Salzburg. So his father just decides, I'm going to leave. Yeah. And this happens to be around the same time that Salieri hires a maid to uh, spy on Mozart. Yeah, yeah. Mozart. And, um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, there, there we did skip over the falling out between Costanza and uh, Frau Mozart and his father. They have, like, a fight. Oh, yeah, they don't get along with Yeah, they don't get along with another because they both want him to make money, but she's like, what the, like, he wants to support you, he can't support me, like, and he's marrying me. You don't want to give your consent to his marriage to me, but, like, he's marrying me, and, like, you know, this is happening, like, (laughs) my mom owns this building, like, you know, if he was getting charged rent, he would be on the street kind of thing, like, this is happening. Right. And I've been trying to drum up business for him. I know how the city works. I live here. And you're just kind of getting in the way. And, like, you're depressing him. And, like, he doesn't want to go back to Salzburg. Like, he wants to stay here. Yeah. And I think Mozart is pretty clear about that, too. So, Daddy's like, all right, whatever. And, um, anyway, Salieri asks this maid that anytime you know, they leave the house, let me know. So, she eventually does let him know when they leave the house. And he finds out what Mozart had been working on this whole time. Yeah. Which is the marriage of Figaro. He's setting that play to an opera. I know it's kind of like considered that the marriage of Figaro might have been one of like the catalysts for the French Revolution and stuff. So it was a banned play in Austria at the time. So Mozart ha- basically has to go face the emperor. And I like this scene a lot too because you just see that he has to defend himself. Yeah. Basically, like give a reason why he should allow this play to become an opera, and uh, you just see the the passion. In Tom Hulse's delivery here, like his his eyes darting everywhere around the room, he's yeah. just like searching for any reason he can. And there's one moment where he says, "You know, I, I can have twenty people talking at once, and if you do that in a play, nobody can understand. But if you do it in music, it's a perfect harmony, and everybody can understand." Yeah, that was yeah, twenty yeah. instruments like playing at once. Yeah, and so he gets approval. Yeah, and everyone's tight because I was like, "Yo." We, there's plenty of stuff we want to do, but we just don't ask you because we're afraid to ask. I'm sure like Salieri's like, this dude just gets whatever he wants. He rolls in here and... Right. Even a band play. Yeah. He's going to make it. Yeah, yeah. he's going to make it. Well, like, Salieri thinks that it's because of God, obviously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he blames God for all of this. For yeah. everything. Because he believes that Mozart, his music is the voice of God. Well, I mean, I just, I just, I think it's, it's funny that he confuses like his will with the will of God, like... Why would the way he has to live in order to be as good as he is at music, why would every artist have to live that way? Mm -hmm. That always confused me, like that primary assumption, like, oh, I do this 
for God. So God does this for me. But like ultimately, like I'm really only asking you to do it so I can be his mouthpiece. Like it's not something like right. and then also get recognized at the same time. Like yeah. He says at the end. He also has to be the yeah. most famous composer. Yeah. That's right. So I just don't understand why like did like I don't like did Mozart I guess what that could be frustrating too that's like Mozart didn't even have to ask and receive. Like I don't know. Yeah, well I think that's where Leopold as a character is kind of interesting because since this story is told from Salieri's perspective, you get the idea that things are effortless for Mozart. Like he really doesn't have to try at all. But yes. then when you see like his relationship with his father, stuff like that, you realize it isn't and he does draw inspiration from things. Yes, yes, that's true too. So I guess that that's a good point. That's a good point. Because there is a lot of it, you know, that Salieri wasn't around for that we do get so it's not always it's not mm-hmm. I mean it's Salieri narrating but it's not always like Salieri it's God's eye view actually not Salieri's necessarily oh yeah because like well I mean Salieri wasn't around for like the fight between his father and his and his, and his fiance like Salieri wasn't with him when he wandered the streets of, of Vienna drunk like Salieri right. wasn't in the room when he gave those lessons and those dogs were there and the dogs were like oh look yeah. and the guy was like oh look see like she gets it like so we there there's there are scenes we see that Salieri like weren't wasn't privy to that I guess is kind of like more God's eye view of, of how things went down. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting to contrast too. Yeah. So anyway, the Italians in court try to sabotage his play because of course they do. Yeah. Um, but basically, the, all their attempts don't work. So Mozart premieres the Marriage of Figaro and. It's uh, it's wonderful, but the emperor doesn't again really like truly care for it. He actually yawns during the performance. Yes, which Salieri loves. He yeah, sees that he's like, yeah. All the Italians in court love it. They're all happy about it. There's a funny little scene where they like look around. I love the Kapellmeister gives the little nose yes, signal, yes. the brush of the nose. Did you see it? Did you see the yawn? Yeah, yeah it's funny. Very. That's like, and uh, the king is a big tastemaker. Yes. So, uh, marriage of Figaro. Despite every all the efforts Mozart went to put it on, only has nine performances, and it's around this time that Salieri actually asked Mozart to be one of the operas he wrote. Yes, yeah, yes. which the the emperor loves. The emperor loves Salieri's opera, and there's a funny moment after um, Salieri finishes his opera and he turns around and everybody starts cheering. He doesn't look at the emperor first. He, he looks, looks at Mozart. Uh, Mozart. He looks up yeah. into the balcony where Mozart was sitting. Mozart's kind of clapping, but you can tell he wasn't very impressed. The emperor declares it the best opera yet written, but all he cares about is Mozart's opinion. So yes. he waits for him to come down. And he says, did it please you? And Mozart said, I kind of gives like a half-hearted compliment. Like he's trying to be nice about it, but you can tell he didn't so, like yeah. actually care for it. Yeah, he wasn't. As enthralled as the emperor was, so and it's a, it's a nice little like role reversal, I guess, because now it's you know we said Mozart always just wants that. Did I do well? That attaboy. Yeah. Now it's Salieri. It's like, did please tell me? Did you like it? Did my work please you? Yeah. He's kind of on that end of yeah, things. Yeah, it's interesting to see the role reversal there right. too. He holds all that. I mean, Mozart says, "You hear such sounds, and all you can think is Salieri." <laughs> yeah. Based on his reenactment at the at the um you know the mask the masquerade ball or whatever mm-hmm. with, the, with the musical chairs like not the biggest compliment to Salieri yeah <laughs> he's like he's tight about that All right um and, and at this point Mozart has a son with 
yes. cop stands, right? Or this is, yeah. Yeah. yeah this is recently, they kind of skip over okay. the fact that he has a son. It just pops up. It's just, like, yeah, oh, he's, he's got just, a boy now. Yeah, and he's like three or four, toddler-esque age. Right. Um, yeah, they do skip ahead on that. Um, but he comes home after that performance of Salieri's opera, and Mozart finds his wife, who tells him that his father died. So Mozart responds to that by writing his blackest opera yet, Don Giovanni, in which he basically casts this uh, dead soldier, this commander general, who's like in the play or in the opera, an insert for his dead father in real life. Yes. And um, Salieri recognizes this and basically spawns this evil, evil, evil play, plot. Yeah. He realizes what he can do. He comes up with a plan to, to kill Mozart. Yep. But how does one, I think he says, but how does one do that with his own hands is the question he poses to right. the priest. And it begins that like he was going to basically like arrive in the, in the same mask and like 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 set up that he had cast his father in, 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 the, in the opera. Yeah. And pay him to write a funeral write requiem. A funeral requiem, yeah. For someone, and it has to be done within like what, two months time, I believe you said. Or, right, he's yeah. trying to put the pressure on him to do it as fast as possible. Yeah. I guess he basically wants to overwork him, like exhaust yeah. him to death. Because, you know, he's got other projects that he wants to do in his mind. It's this terrible plan. I mean, because he's, it does, you know, he what he believes to be the voice of God. He's turning this thing that's that's beautiful and wonderful. We talk about the moments he talks about the movie. Like, I'm staring past those meticulous instrokes, that absolute beauty. The way he talks about that one opera piece where he's like, I heard the sound of forgiveness. Everybody who was sitting at an opera was absolved of their sins. Like, yeah. this is... He believes Mozart's music's bigger divine, than, div- like, divine. like, actually divine. divine. Yeah. And he wants to, to, to pervert it in this such this terrible way. Yeah. Use it for death. Yeah. I mean, it really is a, a grand and terrible plan he has. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it, it starts working because writing the Requiem greatly impacts Mozart's already declining health. Yes. And it's probably his alcoholism is fueling it as well. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot of work to do. He's not getting paid. So this project pays, which drives a wedge kind of between him and his wife, because his wife's like, yo, do this thing for this yeah. person. Get this done. Screw all your other stuff. Right. Because this pays real money. Like, you give yeah. like a hundred something. Gold ducats. Yeah. Like on, the, on, on like on like the first. Yeah. Just, just as like, a down payment. Down payment. The promise there'll be more. And if you do it quicker, quicker there'll be even, even more. more. Yeah. And then around the same time, um, somebody from like the public theater approaches Mozart to write a, like a farce, a vaudeville play. Yeah. And but he's not going to pay any money up front. He's promising half the receipts, yeah. which Mozart, that work isn't going to kill Mozart. Like Costanza doesn't know it though. She's like, I, we need the upfront money. Yeah. We can't rely on waiting for it to be produced and everything, and then wait for the receipts to come in. Yeah. So she wants him to focus on the requiem, but he won't. He's just, he goes out and parties and stuff, so she leaves him temporarily. To go yes, and, yeah, he parties away that that down payment and st- starts working on that other play, like or yeah. the other the other show, right? And um, that has when he comes back after his, his night of drinking, when she left, he goes to her mother to ask, I guess, where'd she go? And there's a really funny moment. I actually think it might be my favorite shot in the movie. Where she's like yelling at him in this high pitched voice, she's kind of screeching, "You're selfish! You're so selfish!" And then it just transitions, like he just looks at her, like, "Oh my god!" And then he just starts hearing the opera, and it transitions from her like sc- like uh, doing the opera yeah, to like to the actual opera happening in the theater, and it's this woman in this like magnificent iris on stage that just 
cakes up the whole stage and like the camera's just panning in close and then it lowers down. You can see Mozart's head and his arms going as he can. Yes. It's this wonderful transition, really masterfully done. And this is uh, Mozart doing the magic flute, which this is the farce that uh, yes. he's doing in the public theater. But he's he's like on death's door, it looks like. Yeah, he's, he's sweating, he's pale. Compared, compared to when he conducted his, like, what he was commissioned to do by the Emperor the first time, where he's like into it, very, very lively. Like, yes. He's very, this, he looks like him. He's, looks, yeah, he looks like he's barely staying awake. Yeah. Like, he's like on the verge of passing out, essentially, at any given moment. And uh, he does. Yes, he passes <laughs> out, uh, middle of the show. Right. Other guy comes up, comes down to take over, I think, to conduct, and they and they carry him backstage. Salieri's at the performance, so because he never misses one of Mozart's yeah, performances, never. He gives it to every single one. He basically runs backstage and takes Mozart home. Yeah, and taking him home, he kicks uh, the other actors come to check on Mozart, see how he's doing. The guy like approached him to come do the play originally. He's like, yeah, yeah he's he good. He comes with half the receipts as yeah. he promised. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Comes with half the receipts as promised. But uh, Mozart, when that man knocks at the door, he thinks it's the anonymous person coming to do the Requiem, the ghost of his father, as yeah. he believes it. So he asks him, can you give him more money? He says to Salieri, go to him and ask if you give him more money. So Salieri pretends that the money that the actors gave him was from, from that anonymous donor. Yeah. So yeah. you really need to finish this work. We need to do it now. Like, come on. Right. He promised a hundred more if you finish it, it by, by tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah, by tomorrow. First, it's Mozart's like, like, no, it's too soon. soon. Yeah. But he can't resist hundred more like the money. Salieri offers. I you could dictate to me. Yeah, dictate to me. Yeah. And I could write it down. And this is the climax of the film. This yeah. is the emotional peak of this movie. Just like two men sitting across the room from each other, creating something. And this is the third time, right? Salieri has come in contact with Mozart's sheet music. Now he's yes. he's on the receiving end of it. He's yeah. actually like creating it with him. Yeah. Which, which for him, uh, as close as he can get to God, really. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's in it now. He loves it. Yeah. And he's and he's and he's like he's appreciating Mozart's genius more from this end now. Yeah. Less hating him, and now that he's taking part in the creation of the work, he's like, damn. Right. He like, can't really directly admit it. You know, he admits it through his actions. It's there's so many bitter ironies in this scene too. Like at the beginning of it. Mozart asks him to translate something, which translates to, like, the fire that never dies. And then Mozart asks Salieri, do you believe in that? Yeah. Do you believe in the fire that never goes out? And Salieri takes a moment and basically answers, oh, yes. Like, (laughs) I do. And there's such an irony to, like, this is the man who's trying to kill you. Yeah. And you ask him, do you believe in hell? Yeah. It's like, yep, I do. I mean, mean, for him, he's kind of been in it. Since Mm -hmm. Mozart showed up, it's been hell for him. Right. Because he's like... This is everything I prayed to be. And yeah. Yet I'm not. <laughs> so it's kind of sad. Um, but yeah, so he's loving it. He's kind of realizing slowly, like, damn, what have I done? Like, this genius, I've worked him into the ground here with this, like, promise of pay. Like, he holds out the money for the loan and then gives him free money up front to just work him. Just work him into the ground because he knows he won't stop. Right. And at this point, uh, Frau Mozart, who had, like, left with the intention of becoming Frau Lein comes back yeah she's like this is wrong i shouldn't be i need to go back to my husband and he's like on his deathbed and she comes in with, the, with their little boy and he's like oh my god what happened he's like is that the play collapsed he's been dictating to me to finish this work we finished it that's it we finished it they stayed up all night she shows up the next day or no it wasn't finished 
They still need to finish it. Yeah, they when they got up the next day, Salieri is like, no, I can keep going. Oh, that's like right. Death door um, yeah. at this point. Oh, yeah, as he yeah, said. that's right. That's right. He's like, I'm done. I'm yeah. Done. And then this is the other irony of this scene is this moment. But right before Constanzi and their son and Mozart's son get home, Mozart says to Salieri, "Forgive me." You know, I yes. I thought you didn't care for me. I thought you didn't care for my music. And that's also, like, what's kind of heartbreaking about this. is like, this is a scene where the veil is, is lifted. You can see past Mozart's immaturity and yes. boyishness. Yeah. He's like, and I didn't think any contemporaries, like, on my level liked my stuff. Yeah. I thought you all hated my stuff. And really, they hated him because of how good it was, not because they didn't like it. And he's running around trying to impress mm-hmm. everyone, thinking that, Basically, he thinks he's Salieri, but he's not vindictive or violent about it. And Salieri yeah. sees that, and he's like, ah, shit, I really fucked up. Like, Well, you see a Mozart that like genuinely cares about friendship, genuinely appreciates that Salieri appreciates him. Yes, and would do what he just did for him, essentially, for free. Just like let him dictate. Right. And But Constanza gets back, and she sees the unfinished work, and she's like, no, I was wrong. This piece of music is killing him. I'm not going to allow him to work on it anymore. anymore. There's many other pieces of music he can write. So she locks it away. And, and Salieri freaks out. He's like, Salieri freaks out he's because like, he's been part of it, finally. Yeah. This is his, he has his hand, literally, yeah, literally, in the creation of this beautiful art. Yes. Yeah, so he, he can't stand for that. She's like, nope, I will have none of it. Mm-hmm. Mozart passes out and never wakes up. It ends with him, at least the present story ends with him being buried in a mass grave on a rainy day as his funeral requiem does play just like Salieri intended to it. Yep. But I'm imagining it's just in Salieri's head. <laughs> yeah, well, it is just in Salieri's head yeah. playing, but um, and him, Salieri and, and his wife have to stop, actually. They can't pr- proceed all the way with the body to the graves oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 so like, his, mozart's, like yeah, wife. mozart's wife yeah so they have to like stop at like the entrance to this mass grave as like the body keeps going right it's, like, they and don't the even get to see him carriage, carriage carriers yeah. It off. Yeah. yeah it's just some random people yeah who just some the grave diggers yeah, yeah the like, grave diggers then pour some powder over it i guess yeah, to, yeah. salt or something to kind of try and sterilize it yeah and, since they're gonna have to leave that pit open they don't want to yeah cut back to the priest and old salieri and the priest is shocked yeah, dude. He can't say anything. He's too shocked to absolve Salieri. Salieri surmises that God killed Mozart because he'd rather remove his mouthpiece from the world than let a mediocrity like Salieri share in his glory. And then in probably the ultimate irony, Salieri says he'll forgive the priest because he's the patron saint of mediocrities. He speaks for all of them. And the movie ends with Salieri being wheeled out in the hallway in this insane asylum absolving everybody there as Mozart's music plays plays throughout the halls and his laugh echoes for one last time yeah it's a journey that movie it really is a journey it's it's wonderful so good two thumbs way up yeah I just without a doubt and do the director's cut too. Don't be yeah. The direct. Like, I mean, it's it's long. Three hours. Three hours. But, it yo, doesn't feel like three hours. Not and at all. if you're gonna watch, the th- I mean, I haven't seen the theatrical cut. I'm imagining the director's cut is like a lot of maybe the longer opera pieces are cut out or I shortened. Would, I would assume yeah. that would be the stuff. Um, but it's all like the theatrical cut's like twenty minutes shorter. So might as well just yeah, go. I mean, yeah. If you do you're two hours forty minutes. Go, go for th- three hours. It's so worth it. Yeah. I haven't seen. The theatrical cut, and I don't believe I'll be wasting my time. Yeah. But I'm going to watch it. I'm in the long haul for the three hours. High recommend. 
But before yeah. we go, I just want to talk a little bit about the historiosity yes. of this movie and what happened in real life. And like focusing on two things. First, the characters of Mozart and Salieri. And then did Salieri actually have a hand in killing Mozart? Yes. Yeah, both. Both so, pertinent questions. Yeah, first with Mozart, like uh, he seems to be the more accurate of the two in terms of how he's portrayed in the movie. Okay. Like Tom Hulse kind of gets his physicality right where he's the similar build and they both stand up straight. He was very much a work hard, play hard kind of guy. He was known for partying and drinking, but he churned out an incredible, an absurd Same amount of music. Worry. Yeah, yeah. Considering he wasn't really a- around for that long. Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. He did have trouble managing his money. He was very poor at the time of his death. Apparently the laugh is completely fabricated. Okay. For the Damn, movie. it's one of the best parts, but yep, I'll yeah. take it. Well, I could see that with like Salieri being an unreliable narrator. Maybe he just like remembered the most grating laugh possible. Yes. For him, he's reminded of this like boyish, shrill kind of giggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when in reality, that's not it at all. That's true. That's yeah. true. That's a good point. Okay. But Mozart did like scatological humor. Had more of a juvenile sense of humor. So they get him mostly right. Salieri was pretty different in real life. The biggest difference was he was never locked into a vow of chastity as he was in the movie. Okay. He was in fact married with eight kids. Yeah. And probably Not a very chaste. <laughs> yeah. He was pretty wealthy due to his position as court composer, but also to the fact the woman he married was nobility, so he married so into well. Yeah. Okay. Um as terms of being him being a mediocrity, I mean, I'm no expert in classical music, but I've been listening to both him and Mozart's music throughout the week. It was inspired to. Yeah. And I definitely think that he's wonderful. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I have not done that. I should. But yeah, I'm a fan of classical. Grew up on classical, so. Right. That was my, that was my ish. Baby's Beethoven. Yeah. So. <laughs> he was one of the most sought after teachers of his era because he was such a good musician. And because he was rich, he didn't charge a lot of his students. And he went on to teach. Many for free. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does say that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he went on to teach some people who would become famous classical composers, such as Franz Liszt and Ludwig van Beethoven. I mean, that's, I mean, I mean, if Beethoven's a pupil, come on, yo, like, come on, yo, you did something right. Right. So he was pretty different in real life, it seems. Um, But as for the rumor, did he actually kill Mozart? I mean, that's not something that's unique to this particular story of Amadeus. Um, It seems to snowball from Mozart's letters that he wrote, particularly one that he wrote to his wife, Costanzi, around the time of his death when he was in really ill health, where he said, quote, I believe I was being poisoned. People point to that and the fact that he wrote a lot of other letters to his father and to his friends about the Italian musicians in Vienna, and he would name drop Salieri as one of them, like that he believed they didn't like him. He would write like, oh, these guys are nice to your face, but who knows what they're doing behind your back. Okay. Mozart in general believed that he had a lot of enemies. There's really no corroborating evidence to say that he did. You know, even though he wrote neg- negatively about Salieri, he also wrote positively about him a lot. I'd like to read a quote from a letter he also wrote to his wife. Okay. From the premiere of The Magic Flute, talking about Salieri and Salieri's wife being in attendance. Quote, you can't believe how sweet they both were and how much they enjoyed not only my music, but the libretto and everything. Both of them told me it was an opera fit to be played at the grandest festivity. Salieri in particular listened and watched with great attention, and from the overture all the way through to the final chorus, there was not a single number that did not elicit from him a bravo or bello, end quote. So he did write about, like, it seems mostly that they were just contemporaries working around the same time, 
maybe had a friendly rivalry with one another. But in 1823, just like in the beginning of Amadeus, Salieri did try to commit suicide. Many people took that with the fact that Mozart said he was being poisoned and writing about negatively about Salieri as an omission of Salieri's guilt for killing Mozart. Just like in the movie, he was unsuccessful in his suicide attempt. There was a student of his, of Salieri's, who came to visit him. And he says Salieri at that time, like, begged him. Like, I, there's no truth to these rumors that I killed Mozart whatsoever. Like, go out and clear my name. Like, I got to imagine if he didn't, it must have just ate away at him. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine what that poor guy was going through. But unfortunately, history didn't really remember it that way. That sucks. 1830, a few years after his death, writer Vladimir Pushkin wrote a play called Mozart in Salieri, in which Salieri murders Mozart on stage. Ironically enough, 50 years later in the 1880s, that play became an opera, where Uh, the same thing happens. Set to, yeah. Yeah. So that's just the way it ended up basically getting remembered, even though there's no evidence to say that Salieri murdered Mozart or had a hand in his death. And then the last thing I'd like to say, like, really quick about the funeral requiem. Yeah. It was commissioned by an anonymous donor. It was the music that Mozart was working on at the time of his death. It was unfinished, but a friend of Mozart's, not Salieri, finished it. And it turned out that the anonymous patron was a man named uh, Count von Wagslev, who was, in fact, uh, just mourning the death of his wife and wanted commission for that reason. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't, in so fact, an interesting the ghost confluence. of Mozart's yeah. father. Yeah, yeah, an interesting confluence of, um, of facts. Killed it there. I like that. Going ham. Thank you. Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, I mean, in the end, ultimate final thoughts. I definitely recommend this. I love this movie. I really do. I think yeah, this is the best I, movie we watched so far. I agree. Ten out of ten right here. Like <laughs> Yeah. I think this is this is why I'm here with you. Just to talk about movies like this. This is one of those that every now and then you get a movie that comes along and reminds me like, oh, this is why I watch like movies. Yeah. This is why I watch them in the first place. I think this is gonna be one that I'm watching every year for the rest of my life. I couldn't be happier about it. Word, word. That's some high praise coming from you, um, especially with the "This is why I watch movies" because you just watch movies all the time. So this is this is <laughs> like I'm not in a bad way. I'm saying good movies, but this is yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm really glad that my wandering eye and coming home, uh, you know, drunk from work was <laughs> <laughs> grabbed a copy of this on VHS and kind of yeah. inspired the choice. So you know, that was that like serendipity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pulling a Mozart myself. So you get two recommends over here. Yeah, it won't be it. three hours wasted. I love that. I mean, I yeah. don't have anything more to say than I just. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I thought all the actors nailed it. I thought the writing was tight. Cinematography was great. The fact that you told me that it, it was shot in all real sunlight blew my yeah, mind yeah. because of how bright some of those yeah no those shots were. Like, no bulb lighting. Complete that, natural lighting. That blows my mind. It's so if you're watching, yeah. pay attention to that because that's nuts, especially with some of the settings in the rooms that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't believe it when you said I mean, I believe you, but I couldn't believe it when you said it because that's just... So there's a lot going for this movie. It was I if you're, if you're into movies and you're listening to this, all nine of you out there... Um, <laughs> 
definitely take the three hours to watch it. Definitely. Hopefully we'll have an equally as good one next time where we're looking at yeah, the Ottoman, Ottoman Lieutenant. Lieutenant. Have to go back to Harry Hillmar for one more time, time because yeah, we both... We're giving her another shot. We'll give her another shot because yeah. hopefully this one's better. She definitely has a larger role to play in this one than than uh, The Ordinary Man. So. Right. And Ben Kingsley will be back. Yes, Not as a leading man, but he'll be back. <laughs> he will be back. <laughs> so that will be something to look forward to. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Um, and we'll see you next time. Good night.